Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casse les the French football podcast with the accent brought to you of course by the Breaking the Line Network. Now before we jump into French football, remember to go and check the breakingtheline.com website. There is right now an article by James Pembleton about the Ultimate World Cup preview. Basically uh, a quick word on each of the 32 teams that are competing for uh, glory in Qatar. I will tell you, though, that I think James made a mistake by underestimating what France is going to do during that World Cup. He says that they're going to reach the last round of 16. I'll go for France winning the World Cup. Of course, I would. The shirt is behind me to, to back me up. But anyway, a, a great uh, article, of course, as usual. There's also uh, an article um, about Arno Calimwendo, the young striker who used to be at Lens, used to be at Paris Saint-Germain, and who is now at Rennes. Jump on the website to read all the latest articles and, of course, listen to all the other podcasts on the Galaxy Breaking the Lines, whether it's Aera Girigore or the Tactics Room or Corta Linias, there is a little bit for everyone. Today, in this French football podcast, we are going to talk about Match Day 12. Now, Match Day 12 uh, brought us a fair few goals, 34 goals. It started with a, a win from Paris Saint-Germain, Ajaccio 3-0, and it ended with a thriller at the Stade pierre Mauroy in the north of France between Lille and Monaco. 4-3 win for les dogs of uh, Paolo Fonseca. We're going to go through uh, all of the 10 games as usual. Before we go through those 10 games, uh, I just wanted to spend, uh, I'd say, five minutes, maybe six, maybe it's 10 uh, on the referees it's it's basically you know a bit of the focus of the week uh, for also a, a good reason um, this week was referee week in Liga uh, and so you would have seen all the players coming in and all the referees coming in with a shirt saying we're all in the same team respect the referees etc etc and then to celebrate this referee week what we had was I guess a few controversial call is is how I'll call it. Three red cards were given, sorry, not three, four, five red cards were given this weekend. Uh, one for Toulouse, for, um, it was Nicolaisen, two in Montpellier, Lyon, uh, the one for Jomande for, I think, maybe slapping the player in front of the referee. I don't know if it was a real slap, maybe a push. And one for Mavididi for running to try and get justice. And in Nantes, we had two red cards, one off the bench uh, and one for Alba Lafont, which was a second yellow card after a controversial penalty at the end. During that referee week, we also had a few penalties. We sold, I guess, yeah, controversially, one of them being uh, that Nice-Nantes game at the very, very last minute. You can clearly see on the VAR that Dante is is kind of like jumping and, and sort of pushing Castelletto down, but Castelletto has that unnatural gesture of putting his hand up. It is a handball, I think, Castelletto's gesture, but there's a foul from Dante before, and when you look at the VAR, there's clearly a foul, so I don't know why the referee decided to ignore the foul and to um, just stick with the penalty, especially at the end of it. On the flip side of that, Toulouse against Strasbourg, there's a very last-minute uh, opportunity for Strasbourg. The ball goes into the box, and you have, uh, I think it's uh, Rouault, the defender from Toulouse, who tries trying to kick the ball away. doesn't see that a Strasbourg striker just runs in front of him, and so basically Rouault trying to kick the ball kicks the player, and there's a peel for penalties, and the referee doesn't give the penalty after um, checking VAR, although as far as I'm concerned, it's a penalty because if Rouault doesn't kick the player, then the player might still be in uh, in control of the ball. 
And at the end, unfortunately, I think for this referee, uh, he said something to uh, Julien Stéphane. And Julien Stéphane said it into the, the press conference. He said, you know, the referee told me that he couldn't whistle um, a penalty like this at the 90th minute, which is probably the worst thing a referee can say. doesn't matter what time of the game it is. If there's a foul, there's a foul. If there's not a foul, not a foul. You can't take into consideration the fact that it's the 90th minute. But apparently that's what he said to Julien Stéphane. So I'll let you imagine how Julien Stéphane felt at the end of the game, seeing his team, seeing his team sorry, missing out on getting a win in Toulouse for uh, a referee that says he doesn't want to whistle the penalty at that time. The controversy goes as far as this referee, Mr. Stina, had whistled a penalty against Strasbourg at the 95th minute in Montpellier, Uh, a couple of weeks back, maybe three, four weeks back, for what looked like almost the exact same foul. So, you know, Julien Stéphane obviously isn't happy, and his Strasbourg supporters out there can't be happy. And I think it, it probably was one of those um, one of those moments, maybe in the season or maybe in, in the referee's evolution of the season that really characterizes what's going on right now in Ligue 1 as far as refereeing goes. There are a lot of qualms, a lot of complaints about refereeing in Ligue 1 this season because it's just been inconsistent. You have a game, Marseille-Lance, where you know both Kolasinac and, and maybe at one point Onana probably deserve a second yellow uh, or, or even a straight red for some of those opportunities that are getting red cards on all the game when all the referees are officiating. But there's this inconsistency where Marseille-Lance, the game just went on and it's great. The game should go on. We want the game to just play. We don't want it to be stopped so much and contact is part of the game and we don't want to give early red cards when it's kind of like a 50-50 situation. But other referees don't let that game flow. Don't let the benefits of the doubt, give red cards, give, um, you know, penalties that you don't know what they're giving it. Like the second yellow for Nicolais and for example, at that Toulouse-Strasbourg game, um, you know, the, the guy is trying, is diving to try and hit the ball, misses the ball, the ball bounces on the floor, touches his hand. It's a penalty, no problem, it's in the box. But he gets a yellow card for this. He gets a yellow card for a hand that's everything but... Voluntary. He doesn't even know where the ball is. And that's his second yellow and that's a red card. And I think, you know, when supposedly we're not doing uh, what they call the, the, the double punishment, no red card and penalty in the same one world, you should apply that as well to a second yellow. Don't give a second yellow to a defender who's trying to head the ball away and, and misses it and then he bounces on his on his hands. So I think there's a lot to do in refereeing this, uh, this season. I think the World Cup break, um, you know, couldn't come to couldn't come quicker because they need to regroup, they need to discuss. Um, it's very inconsistent. There are a lot of red cards given, again, Montpellier against Lyon. You know, you can... I try to... And I said that on Twitter a couple of times. I try to understand why the referee gives the red card to Diomande. I see the referee getting close to the players. He's maybe too close to the player, actually. And Diomande makes a gesture towards the other player right in the face of the referee. So maybe that's why he gives the red card. But A, if the referee is not that close, he's not putting himself in a situation where he feels that his, I don't know, that, that his ego is disrespected because the players don't stop when he walks close. But also then Mavididi runs 20 meters, which he should never do, and gets a red card for it. It's, it's at best, like at best a strong yellow. It would have been a strong yellow for Wahi. Maybe Wahi deserved the red card to try and like instigate Jomande, but it just, it just again, looking consistent, look like all the, the decisions made, change from one referee to the other and we don't have we never have in France a voice from 
the referring corpse that comes out and say, I'm sorry, this we shouldn't do, this yes, those are the rules, those aren't the rules, Move bad interpretation of it, da 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 da. Just because there's this omerta, this, this law of silence that they don't want to undermine each other on the job because it is a it is a very hard job, no no doubt. And you know, obviously, um, you know, stating the obvious, there could be no game without refereeing. And I am all about respecting the referees, and I, I really encourage, um, you know, that that rule. Hopefully, that will pass, which is the referee having the microphone because then the players will also probably stop. You know, talking talking rubbish and saying things that they shouldn't be saying and disrespecting the referee because they'll be the one living with the consequences instead of just being the referees. But the referees have been inconsistent at best this season, and we need to see a little bit more consistency. We need to see them all putting through the same direction. The handball is another uh, situation. We never know when it's a handball, not a handball. That Toulouse Strasbourg, Nicolaisen tried to hit the ball, misses it, touches with his hand. Mochiba gets the ball after and he misses his control. He pushes the ball too far and then the referee comes back and says, it's a penalty. But Mochiba had the ball. He, he's the one who lost the ball. So technically, a bit of an advantage was played and then you come back to it. But on the other hand, if you go at the Nice-Nauts game, um, you have Vici touching the ball with the hand twice. And I know it's not purposely and I know the ball is very close to him before he gets contact and, and those can happen but he touches the ball with his left hand and his right hand and the referee says play on because it, it was sort of like an intention although it's not the spirit of the game to, to me it's it's complicated when you when you use that spirit of the game rule only when it benefits it benefits your like your narrative and when you have a tool like the VAR and that you use it again differently depending on which stadium you're in I think, yeah, it's just too inconsistent. I guess it's the take at the end. Refereeing in Ligue 1 has been inconsistent. We want a more unified voice. We want a more uniform, um, you know, sort of like set of rules. But also we just want the referee to come out at the end and to say, I did this because that, because that, because that, period. And obviously we don't hear, we don't want to hear any, you know, any bullshit like, I can't whistle a ref, uh, penalty at the 90th minute because that's nonsense. But we we want to hear them just coming in and discussing and explaining why they make decisions and and look, living with it and then we'll live with it as well. Just like the players, they might get you know the society is what it is, so they might get some backlash. But at least for us who are following Liga and who are enjoying the French football, we would get you know closure on how decisions are made and and you know it it would be it would only make uh, the referee I think and his place in French football grander, higher if he was coming out and just explaining his choices and. You know, saying maybe you guys disagree, but this is what I did, and uh, you don't think it was a foul? Yeah, it's your interpretation. My interpretation in the moment when it was fast, what this when I saw the VAR, it wasn't a um, a huge mistake as far as I'm concerned. I was still okay with my call, so I kept it that way. That doesn't take a lot to make sure that the referees are, I think, respected a bit more, and we want that to happen for our game. Anyway, rent about refereeing. Overall, I do hope that things um, slowly get better. Let's look at match 12. Uh, match 12 saw a few goals. Like I said, 34 goals. A few away wins as well. I think it's five away wins. It started with four away wins. You know, Paris, Lyon, Lens and Rennes kicked off the weekend and all of them uh, won away. And then to... Uh, oh, that was only four. Sorry. I don't know. To cap it off, excuse me. Brest won also uh, in Clermont. 3-1. Let's go game by game. Let's try and, uh, and squeeze the information we needed to get from all of them. It started in Corsica, Ajaccio, Paris Saint-Germain and 
a 3-0 win for Paris Saint-Germain. Neymar isn't here. Everything is okay. Don't worry. Paris is strong this season when it comes to attacking um, mentality, attacking mindset. Messi with a goal and two assists. Mbappé with two goals and one assist. I guess, you know, what else do you need? And, and I think it's almost what happened last week when they played against Marseille, right, Paris? If Mbappé had scored his goals early... Uh, those near-post uh, attempts that were saved by Paulo Lopez, then it could have been that kind of game. Instead, uh, Paulo Lopez, I guess, was a bit more vigilant than what um, Leroy, the Ajaccio goalkeeper, was on the weekend, and Mbappé was able to score twice. They scored early, 24 minutes, and then they had to wait quite a while, 78 minutes, to score the second goal by Messi, a beautiful goal, by the way, which, in that period, we kind of had the same impression that we had when they played Reims, when they played Marseille. They're happy to let the other team, you know, sort of like get comfortable and come a bit higher up the pitch. They try and absorb them in their half of the of the uh, pitch so that they can operate in counter-attack, which is definitely the modus operandi for um, Paris Saint-Germain this, this season. Good to see Fabian Ruiz getting more minutes. Good to see Carlos Soler getting more minutes. Messi, of course, is um, is is at the, at the peak of his form, I think, of, of recent years. I don't think we've seen that from Messi since maybe like 2018 or 2019. Um, so it works well for Paris Saint-Germain that is there. Of course, the World Cup is around the corner. So there's a reason why Messi is also at that um, moment in form. But um, Renato Sanchez started as well. So obviously, there's a little bit of uh, rotation going on in the midfield finally. Um, they need that. You know, some of those players will go to the World Cup. So they need to have a bit of game time in their legs. And of course, there's um, the um, Champions League games midweek. So the, the rotation will be helpful. Paris Saint-Germain in, in Corsica was sure of their strength still. There was a couple of half attempts really by Ajaccio, not more. Uh, and then when they're able to score the second game, Paris Saint-Germain, the, fo- the third, the second goal, excuse me, the third just follows three minutes later. And, and then it's, uh, it's a wrap for that game. Greg win, of course, they're still undefeated Paris Saint-Germain. They're taking a bit of space at the head of, of Ligue 1 and they're making sure that they're going to be able to go to that World Cup break with a nice safety cushion behind them because a lot of those players are going to play in the World Cup. You know, of course, Donnarumma and Verratti won't go to Qatar, but everybody else basically is going. So, um, you know, that after World Cup might be a bit delicate for Paris Saint-Germain. So having that cushion would definitely be helpful, helpful come the end of December or the beginning of January. Next game up was Montpellier against Lyon at the Stade de la Mosson. And Lyon won 2-1 against Montpellier. Montpellier, you would never guess who scored the first goal. Oussem Awar. Oussem Awar, who's, I feel like he stopped playing football at that final eight um, in, uh, in Portugal during that COVID year in Champions League, when after that, supposedly, he was going to Manchester City and Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Uh, and he's still in Lyon. And since Laurent Blanc came and took over Lyon a couple of weeks ago. Oussem Awar is back. He's in the starting 11. He seems to be able to express himself. Uh, and on that goal, I think uh, a bit of credit needs to be given to A, Lukeba, who, uh, who anticipates well early on to get the ball back, and B, Lacazette, who has the vision to not try and score himself, but to pick Awar by himself in the middle of the box for the young midfielder. Not young anymore, the the mid-20s midfielder, to finish the job. Um, I think, you know, Montpellier... Although it's a good team, they're very inconsistent, and we've seen it again against uh, Lyon. Um, their goalkeeper Omlen got injured, and Binguru Kamara, the former Strasbourg goalkeeper, when it delayed the inevitable for a while, uh, Lyon misses 
probably four, five, six opportunity. Too many, to be fair. Uh, but Bingo Camara wasn't stranger um, to it. He did a few saves that were important. By doing so, it definitely sort of put the doubt into the Lyon players' mind. And we thought we were going to get another one of those games where because they can't score the second goal, because they can't kill the game, they're going to end up losing points. And it went that way for a bit. Um, if you haven't seen, you have to go and check out Elie Wahi's goal. After a, a ball that's not cleared the right way by Malo Gusto, the ball is put back in the middle by Jordan Ferry in the middle of the box, and Elie Wahi sees the ball flying over his head and decides to try a bicycle kick. But the angle of the ball, the, the sort of like lob... Um, trajectory, it's really hard to take it the right way on the bicycle kick when you do this. You have to time it perfectly. That Basically, you know, half a second before and you're putting it over the crossbar, half a second later and you're missing it completely. Uh, and that's what Eli Wahi did. It, it timed it perfectly, volleyed it in the back of the net uh, of, um, of Anthony Lopez. I think Lyon's defense is to blame on that one. A, the clearance from Malo Gusto is a bit poor. Then it's very casual in the man-marking in the middle of the box and Eli Wahi takes advantage of it. Of course, after that, there's the um, red cards that I was talking about earlier. Jomande fouls Wahi, who I don't know if he was going for goal, but he was definitely uh, running a mock in the left wing. And then um, Wahi and Jomande have a word and Mavididi runs to try and get justice. And then two red cards are given in that moment, Montpellier keeps pushing, but at the end, at the very, very end, the dying embers of the game, Lacazette again scores for Lyon again, and he did an assist at the early in the game and then a goal, but he scored last week as well, um, scores the winning goal. Uh, the work from Kakare in the middle of sixth player is to be commended, uh, a couple of one-twos in the middle of that, and then he's finding Lacazette just on his left, again, six players around him, Montpellier need to do better uh, against uh, against the young Lyon midfielder, but Lacazette finishes it with a powerful left shooter, and Lyon finally gets a win, their first win in seven weeks, I think it is, since early September, they hadn't won Lyon, so it's going to do a world of good to Laurent Blanc and, and his team, uh, they needed that Olympic Lyonnais, for Montpellier, despite changing coach, still not shiny um yeah that break will will do them a bit of good as well uh, that, that worker break they need to uh, regroup the uh, the montpellier players we are going to the velodrome for the third game marseille lance and a surprise win for lance a surprise win you know not because of who lance is we expect lance to play well and and they are one of the best teams in our league they are right now uh, at the at the very nearly the top of the table uh, but Marseille dominated so much that first half that it's surprising that they were not able to to get a result and that eventually Lens took all three points at the end of the day you have to score if you want to win uh, and Marseille didn't score Brice Samba the former Marseille uh, goalkeeper was in great form for Lens a few decisive saves a few lucky saves a few saves just because, you know, the Marseille attackers are pretty clumsy. Uh, and and then in the second half, I think it's the 72nd minute, uh, a shot from a distance from uh, Costa was just, from Da Costa, excuse me, was just deflected by Balergi just over the head 
of Paulo Lopez who couldn't do anything on it. It's the third year in a row that Lance is winning at the Stade Vélodrome. They're getting comfortable, les Saint-Yor. Uh, and for Marseille right now, it's a third consecutive defeat. Uh, you know, they were only three points behind Paris Saint-Germain before they uh, they played them. And um, and then they were six points behind, that nine points behind uh, that loss against Ajaccio, a loss against Paris, and loss against Lance right now. Uh, you know, Marseille last week, last year, excuse me, they lost 25 points at home. And right now, after four wins to start the this exercise, they have just only taken one point out of the nine possible in the last three games that draw against Rennes and then a loss against Alexio and Lens. Worrying sign maybe for Marseille. You could see at the end of the game that um, you know Igor Tudor didn't think about worrying signs. He, he came up on a couple of interviews saying that you know he was proud of his team, that they worked the right way, that they did the right job, they just didn't score. Uh, but they deserve to win, and unfortunately, that's why he said that's why you like football. Sometimes you deserve to win, and you don't. Uh, and this one, one of those games. Uh, and then, if uh, if you guys check out this clip, I think I'm sure you can find it on on Twitter. There's a, a journalist who, who looks at Igor Tudor and asks him. I think it's um, his name is Ruiz, the journalist. Ask him, did you make a mistake? But the English is a bit broken, so there's no context to the conversation. And so he just looks at Tudor, who's like a head higher than him or taller than him. And he says, did you make a mistake? And Tudor looks at him with anger in his face. And he's like, what mistake? What are you talking about? And so it's, uh, it, was a, it was a funny end to a, a press conference. But it was also, I think, a show that Tudor has full confidence in his team. He's keen to keep doing what he's doing. He's that loss against Lance. Losses against are going to happen. They're probably heartbreaking for Marseille. As long as they don't chip at their confidence, it should be all right. Even Franck Hez, the Lance uh, coach at the end, said that during the first half, they were dominated. But then in the second half, they were able to bring the ball a bit higher, to bring their press a bit higher. In the first half, Lance was never recovering the ball into the Marseille half. In the second half, they did that a bit more. Uh, but anyway, it's a great win for Lance because they also overtake Marseille on the table. And they're all the way up near Lorient um, for Marseille. Three losses in a row, they will want to keep it that way. Unfortunately, and we'll see that a bit later, they have a, a pretty hectic schedule to uh, finish the, the first part of the season before that World Cup break. Another team in form is Rennes. Rennes who won at Angers 2-1. A deserved win for Rennes in the end. No doubt, they, they, they dominated, they had a lot of opportunities. But Angers really fought well um, in that second half. They were really close to actually get the win themselves after, um, after that equalizer. But that near assist by Mandanda, again, you know, if you have to watch highlights. Uh, so the goal, the, the winning goal by Rennes is scored on a penalty, but the penalty is caused by um, a foul by Amadou, and it comes from Mandanda at the 94th minute, I think, or something like that grabbing the ball, seeing one of his strikers by himself up front and just kicking a beautiful volleyed clearance perfectly in the run of the defender. Again, mind you, Amadou made, um, made a mistake not being able to clear it. But uh, after that, it's just what looks like it's going to be a 1v1 between, I think it's Kalimwendo, but I don't want to, uh, I don't want to say something wrong, uh, between the, the Rennes striker and um, and Angers goalkeeper, but Amadou decided to uh, to foul him in the box, and, and then, you know, unfortunately for them, it is uh, a penalty. It might be Terry, actually. Sorry, my memory fails me. Anyway, a Rennes forward was going into the box, uh, and then there's a foul from, uh, from Amadou in the back. Penalty... The penalty scored by um, Lovro Majer and 2-1 for Rennes. The first penalty for Rennes this season, actually. 
for Angers, it is worries are plenty. They have considered on average two and a half goals per game this season so far. Batik, you know, was um, sort of like reconforted, reconfirmed, I should say, in his role by the president Chaban uh, last week. But it looks dire. You don't expect to win against a team like Rennes, of course. Um, but they are they have talent, Angers. They have the ability to get results. They're always just. They're not forcing their luck, and I think eventually that might come and bite them back. It's a loss, and it's a loss that, you know, sort of like push them all the way down on the table. For Rennes, so far, it's it's blue sky. It's a, a win that was a little bit crappy, but a win nonetheless, and it helps them uh, maintaining their level at the top of the table. Quickly going to go to skim through a few games that I didn't have a, a chance to watch, but of course I watched the highlights as usual. Toulouse against Strasbourg, 2-2, the controversy at the end, of course, um, with that penalty not given to Le Marchand. Uh, but, you know, for, for Toulouse, there was a, some positive at first. 2-0 for Toulouse to start. Rouault scored his first goal on a top flight. Uh, and then the captain, Brecht, if you're wondering how we pronounce it, that it, it's, you can say Brett, you can read Brecht the Jaeger or something like that on the name. Um, I was watching a, a video where there was a, a Toulouse challenge about how to pronounce his name and there was another Belgium uh, player who said that his name was Brecht de Yarele. So that, that, that's how we pronounce his name, the captain of Toulouse. Anyway, he scored the captain. It was 2-0 for Toulouse. And then Strasbourg made a few changes, and those changes paid off. Mochiba scored his first goal in three years. Good for him, the South African uh, former international. Good that he's uh, finding a way back in the net. And then the second goal is scored. And then again, that there's the second goal is on penalty. Uh, and then there's the penalty at the end that's not whistle which is a bit of a shame for Strasbourg it's 1-1 one, one, uh, it's 2-2 two, two, excuse me one point each uh, and Strasbourg who still is the only team I think in the competition who only has one win and who's uh, desperately trying to get their second next week they're playing Marseille at home maybe uh, maybe he comes there uh, Clermont and Brest a 3-1 win for Brest if you looking anything um, watching anything about that game watch Del Castillo two assists one goal one of those assists Reminiscing of that Modric assist or reminiscing of just Quaresma. That's always who I think about when I see somebody using the exterior of their foot. Uh, exterior of the foot, left-footed and a beautiful cross and they end up in the goal. Good win for Brest 3-1 in Clermont. Uh, it's going to help them in their, uh, in their endeavor with their new coach after their Zakarian was also thanked last week. Reims Auxerre 2-1. Reims Auxerre, two historic clubs in, uh, in Ligue 1. Everybody knows Reims from, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, and Auxerre, of course, with Giroud in the 90s and 2000 and Gibril Sissé and all that. Well, that was the first time those two teams met in Ligue 1, as surprisingly as it sounds. Uh, and Reims, the Champagne club, um, took all three points. That assist from Zeneli for Balogun was actually uh, pretty special. Balogun scored the first. Ito scored the second for Reims. The attacking duo that... You know, he's so he's so talented that you want them to score that many goals. It was surprising that they were not. Of course, Ito got a red card um, not too long ago as well that put him away for two games. You know, if you guys don't know Junior Ito, uh, you just have to look at what he was doing back in Belgium in the last couple of seasons. It's 30 assists and 19 goals in uh, in about 60 or 65 games, I think. Uh, he's a special talent, the Japan international. He's going to be at the World Cup as well. We'll get to see a bit more of him. Uh, and he's got experience, so I think he's hopefully going to help Reims g- getting out of that. They should have killed the game too, Reims. They hit the post. 
Benoit Costil does a few saves for Auxerre, uh, but eventually that goal from um, Mbaignan wasn't enough for Auxerre to get a result, and Reims gets all the three points. It's their first home win of the season, Reims, and he comes uh, at a good time uh, with, with Will Steele on the bench, the uh, championship manager alumni. Trois-Lorient, 2-2 was the final result. Uh, Lorient, with their fantastic start, decided to uh, make life harder for themselves despite a beautiful goal from Stefan Jara. They basically gave the two goals to Trois. The first one was an own goal for Laporte. The second one, an own assist, uh, as, as Jeremy Clement said it, uh, from Talby, who, who just forgot what his keeper was and, and just gave the ball to a forward uh, who won his duel against um, the goalkeeper. It's a good result for Trois. For Lorient, it probably points that they didn't think they were going to drop. Uh, again, a few opportunities for Les Merlu. Ouattara hit the post. A few saves made by Matthäus Lis, the uh, new Trois goalkeeper. Gauthier Gallon was on the bench. Um, Trois is, is slowly getting better. Lorient, they need to make sure they keep hitting their stride and they don't stop performing just yet. Nice Nantes, 1-1. We talked about the controversy. Those handballs not whistled for Nantes. This penalty given to Nice at the very end. And as a result, the red card given to Lafon. Uh, I think the, the second goalkeeper is... I think his name is Deschamps or, or Deschamps. And he's going to be playing next week. I think he was in, in Belgium a couple of seasons ago. Anyway, Lafon got a red card. He shouldn't, result, he shouldn't react like that, to be fair, the, the captain uh, of Nantes. But you could see the frustration. Interestingly enough, uh, at the beginning of the game, when the teams are announced, uh, Nice... The goalkeeper Schmeichel was booed by the fan and Bulka, who's sitting on the bench, was applauded and celebrated by the fans. So, of course, there's a no love lost between the uh, goalkeeper and the Nice fans there. Hopefully, you can turn that around with a good uh, few performances. 1-1 was the final result. Not a good result for either team who are trying to get out desperately of that second half of the table the last game of the weekend was the thrilling win by Lille 4-3 against Monaco 4-3 for Lille and technically you could give them six of the seven goals because they've given those goals away uh, it was just end-to-end stuff every time a team was scoring the other team was responding uh, it went everywhere but the Monaco's goal where you know, they had to thank Lille for it. Lille was definitely trying to make sure that Monaco wasn't going to be too far away from them every time they, they were scoring. The first goal from uh, from Monaco, um, nothing to say. The second goal, it's a free kick that Chevalier just let go between his legs and, and it's a blunder that he won't want to relieve. But, you know, every big goalkeeper has been through this, as guess, but uh, you, it's it's young for uh, Chevalier to make those mistakes. Yeah, he better be decisive in the next couple of games to, uh, to try and forget about this. Mind you, he made a few saves after that. Uh, and then the last goal for Monaco was uh, Jallo trying to, I don't know, turn around or, or trying to pass the ball somewhere and lost track of the ball. And then Beignet there, of course, um, who's a real fox in the box, just stole the ball and, and was able to put the ball past Chevalier. Luckily for Lille, they were able to find a fourth goal to get the win. Lille is impressive offensively, you know, from from Ismaili, the left back, who I think is cruelly underrated to the, the right back Jackite the former Toulouse player we didn't expect to start for Lille we thought it was going to be Zedatka who had been so great at Clermont that was going to be the starter for Lille instead is is Jackite and he's doing well offensively as well and then you have of course uh, the two Gomes on the in the middle of the park Angel Gomez and Andre Gomez Andre Gomez who's 
who's just a nice player to see play. He's just silky smooth. He's got great technique. He's happy to go and be a bit more physical. He's got those long legs uh, that are that are allowing him to try and, and keep in control most of the time. Uh, and he's got a really great passing ability. So does Angel Gomez. Uh, and that obviously offered Dill a few goals. Uh, Remy Bacala. Remy Cabela um, with, with a goal and an assist, if I'm not mistaken. Unas had a good game as well. Jonathan David should have scored. He didn't score this weekend, but he should have scored a couple of opportunities that he just skied. Uh, a, bit, a bit uncharacteristic for Jonathan David, but I'm sure he'll find uh, he'll find his form again. Lille is impressive this season. I think, you know, they're a bit of the unsung hero because we can see all the issues defensively. Uh, Fonte wasn't playing this weekend, but even when he's there, they only have, I think, one, or, one clean sheet or two clean sheet on their name Lille so far and they want to be able to fix that because offensively there's no issue the power the firepower is there the technique is there the creativity is there so they, they are causing problems to defenses they just need to make sure that they sort out their own defense if they want to stay high up in the table the table, let's look at it now that we've talked about the 10 games of the weekend. Paris Saint-Germain is at the head, is on the driving seat after 12 games, 10 wins and 2 draws, 32 goals scored, best attack, 5 goals considered only, best defense. And they are 5 points clear of their suitors, Lance and Lorient, both uh, second and third on the table. Lance is just higher at a better goal difference, 27 points each, and it's Rennes with 24, Marseille, 23, Lille, 22, Monaco, 21. It's getting close, and, and Lyon is just four points behind with 17, next to a bit of a surprise, Clermont. But both of those teams, you know, a couple of wins, and they are back into the mix as well for European places. It looked at the beginning of the season that there was a small gap being created, but of course the three consecutive losses by, by Marseille would fix that and would uh, help the other teams coming back to it. At the bottom of the table, we have five teams within a point. Angers and Ajaccio closed the march with eight points each. And just on top of them, Auxerre, Brest and Strasbourg have nine points. Not too far up. Nantes with 11, Reims with 12, Montpellier with 12 and Nice and Troyes with 13 points. Of course, midweek, we have a few European games. Marseille is playing against Frankfurt. Paris is playing against Maccabi Haifa. Nice against Partizan. I can't remember who Nantes and Rennes are, are facing, as well as Monaco. But next weekend, match day 13, is going to be one to follow. It starts on Friday night or Saturday morning here in Australia. Lance, Toulouse, uh, probably going to be a, a cracking game. And then we have Paris Saint-Germain 3. Strasbourg against Marseille at Lameno will probably be a, a good game as well. Auxerre Ajaccio on Sunday afternoon, Monaco-Angers, Nantes-Clermont, Brest against Reims, Rennes against Montpellier, Lorient against Nice, and we'll finish with a succulent Lyon against Lille. It used to be a, a very important game back into the, the mid-2000 when Lyon was winning everything. Lille were definitely one of their um, most fierce opposition. Mind you, they kept buying players from Lille and bringing them to Lyon uh, back at this time. So, yeah, it should be a good game, Lyon against Lille, given the form of both teams this season. That's it for today, Castellelignes. Thank you for following. Thank you for listening. Tuning to Breaking the Lines again to check all the other articles. Feel free to 
comment, like, subscribe, ask me any question that you have. I was lucky enough actually this week uh, to be on also the official Ligue 1 podcast with Robbie Thompson and Jonathan Johnson. Uh, it was an honor to be on their podcast. I'll make a couple of guest appearances this season, but week in, week out, you'll also see me here on Castellin talking about French football, talking about the French national team. It's coming up soon. Uh, the World Cup will do a, a couple of presentations of some of the uh, nations that France is going to face in the World Cup. My Australian friends will help me, of course, talking about Australia. 22nd of November is the first game. Thank you again for listening. Uh, feel free to ask any question and I shall see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.